welcome to Outside Voice Inside. June is Black Music Month, and this episode is titled, What's the Use? Featuring Dreamville executive, Candace Rodney. We discuss the 27 Club, health and wellness in the industry, and the importance of work-life balance. So grab a seat, and we hope you enjoy Outside Voice Inside. Welcome. This is episode 22, the last episode of season one of Outside Voice Inside. Thank you all for coming on the ride for 22 episodes. Uh, What's the use is the episode that I know that sounds odd, but we'll get into what is all what that's all about. However, we have a special guest. This is we're going out with a bang for the last episode of season one. Um, we'll do introductions. Uh, you can start, Tamara, and I'll take it over. Um, you all know me. I'm Tam Joyner. And this week, I am a Donut Dolly. I'm a, a Stranger Things fan. And I'm a chocolate mm-hmm. rum cake maker. Those are my goals for the week. And <laughs> hopefully, I will achieve them very soon. For, for everyone who doesn't know what Donut Dolly is, this place has amazing donuts. I like, I'm a big donut fan. They're not the healthiest thing, so I do not eat them often. But Tamara hyped me up for this apple fritter that is the size of her head. And then I get there and there <laughs> is no apple fritters. And I am super fucking disappointed. Dude, that means they're good because they were all gone by the time we got to the shop. Like they were, it was completely like they came in, rushed and got all the apple fritters and then dipped out. Like I was like, what the hell? This is this is in Atlanta, you guys. This Donut Dolly on Howe Mill off of Highway 70, uh, Interstate 75, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck it is, 75. But their donuts are amazing. They have like four different tiers of donuts for the cost. I had a Mikey. I decided to have a Mikey and it the inside was I don't even know how to ex- describe this it was it was, it was delicious I was like it was like a chocolatey clear kind of with the nope, there was no chocolate what was that on top was that peanut butter that was a piece of bacon nigga I thought it was some peanut butter or something that kept the bacon on there well damn. no it was like a caramel like uh there was like cinnamon there was butter okay. it was just a whole bunch of calories that i didn't need With a but it was definitely was comfort food absolutely oh, yeah. delicious. i had a i just ate my vanilla glazed one but i did have a hibiscus there's i still have my hibiscus yes. one my sister had a s'mores one and i got a dolly which is actually a creme brulee donut so candace when you come back to atlanta we'll take you Yes. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out the rules because I'm like, could I jump in? Like, I definitely ate a donut day. <laughs> yes. This whole conversation is double dead. Yes. Wait to be introduced. Like, can I just dive in? No, we're like, getting to The magic word which was donut. And I was like, ready. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting to you. I'm Sid Delano, uh, the co-host 
of Outside Voice Insight. And this week, I have been a moving ass fool in the disgusting heat of Georgia. I have, this is going on, what, week three of my bug has left me. She'll be back in two weeks, though. I'm super excited. And I was also reminded this week that I am a bad boy lover. That oh, has been I'm talking about Puff Daddy. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Did you watch the doc though? Yes. I haven't yeah. watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet. Yes, that's why because people like me and Sin have gone from BET Awards to like Netflix doc and just living in all the bad boy glory. Yeah. And you know, my bad boy glory, you know, Candace is really aligned with the conversation because I had plans to talk about this once we got into the music, but I'll bring it up now. My love for bad boys started in high school. I used to play been around the world every day before I drove to high school, to school. In my car, this raggedy little tape deck, but you couldn't tell me that in my mind, I wasn't gonna be part of bad boys someday in some way. I had dreams, I've since squashed those. So let's get into that. <laughs> I, I am connected. I am multiple degrees connected. But when I was in college, I did work for 8Ball and MJG, who were signed to Bad Boy South. Yes, so there they were. Was that we were involved and Puff was around. And I will take that, you know, moment to make it feel as if I was part of the Bad Boy family, even though I, I was not. He would not ever know who I was today. <laughs> Fine. Which brings us to Candace J. Rodney. This is one of my long-standing friends. I met I met Candace when she was 17 and I think I was 19. Mm -hmm. So I've known her for at least two lifetimes. Um, you know, I met her. She was a humble little tennis player who just wanted to get good grades. And she sure. has excelled so much in life. I'm so proud of Candace. She has become a lawyer. Um, she has also become a co-executive co uh, producer of several projects, one of which was on Netflix. Uh, I want to say, when did that come out? Last year, Candace? Last year, last February? Yeah. About yeah. If you haven't seen it, you guys need to check this out. It was, um, let me see. My memory is farting right now. Amen, uh, the fight for America. Yes. Six part Netflix docu-hybrid series that was hosted by Will Smith. If you haven't seen it, it's super good. It's actually pretty good to take a listen or watch it now because- It's about time to visit it. Based yeah, on that's what I was about to say. Everything that's going on in this shitty country, this is a reminder, like, you know, where we've been, where we're going, all of that. Um, she moved on. She's still doing film and TV stuff, but she's over at Dreamville now as, you know, their executive vice president, and she's the president of Dreamville Studios. Candace always has something going on. I have only known her to succeed in life at everything she does. Anybody who is aligned with her, she makes them 10 times better. So give it up. For oh, our guest, Candace Rodney. Y'all like editing claps or anything? Like, do y'all do it? No? Oh, we claps. can do it ourselves, oh, though. <laughs> I was like, that's so good. I need an applause. 
<laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> yeah. how, are, how are you doing? Um, I love that you said she always has something going on because if that wasn't a word, like that was so true. Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Like I, you, I got dressed today. I put on a little lipstick, you know, put on some earrings for my friend. Like I'm, I'm showing up and showing out like probably much better than I have in the past few months. So I'm excited to be here. And I feel really special. I didn't know I was the last guest of the season. So this is like a, a special moment. This is memorable. Yes. This is memorable. Hell yeah. I'm super excited you're here, Candace. Super. Thank you. And and we're we're taping on shitty ass independence weekend. So, you know, we will always remember this episode. Candice, you're, you're, you've become uh, cemented yeah. in our thoughts. <laughs> speaking, speaking. No, but of- I, like, that's how I feel. Um, so Amen was a six-part docuseries, and it was all about the, the 14th Amendment and its history with America over, I don't know, 250-plus years of our history. And so we talked about how it uh, impacted um, certainly Black people and other immigrants and people of color, We've talked about how it impacted, you know, us through Reconstruction, the Civil Rights Movement. Episode four has a lot of, well, I mean, the whole series has like a lot of my DNA in it. I'm sorry, I can't forget about the LGBTQ family because we, they have a whole episode five, but uh, the mm-hmm. Amen has so much of my DNA in it. I wrote on it. I produced it. Like I gave everything that I had to this project and episode four is about women. Mm-hmm. And we spent a lot of time in the writer's room. We spent a lot of time as producers talking about what and what would happen if this was reversed and what would happen if all of these like life-changing Supreme Court decisions, what would happen if they were reversed because we're in that space and then it got reversed. And I think I've been depressed since because it was like, everything and all the hope that I had and it wasn't just about that decision by the Supreme Court it's about it, it it affected who I thought I was and my worth to this country and it also put me on a spiral thinking about oh shit like what's next and then all of the so I've been living in the fuck, the handmaid's tale for the past like four like I was about to cuss and that I uh, caught myself but I forgot you cursed, you <laughs> handmaid's tale <laughs> all weekend and yeah so I'm just in a space so yes that's a plug to go watch them in but you know what the crazy thing is we as black women have been living the handmaid's tale for since slavery <laughs> so it's like now white women are in it and they're so terrified and annoyed and I, I as we segue into current events there was an article Tamara about uh white women this this affecting them in ways that they were not prepared for and how this is going to affect rich people too whether they think it's not Right. It is. This literally is going to affect everyone. So it's like we women, especially women who have had abortions or had to face that decision, it's 
something that's always been in the back of our minds because our history dictates that we had to fight for this before. And now we're back as square one fighting for our human rights again. It, we could talk about this ad nauseum and still get nowhere because what the fuck do we do? Right. That's really, that's really, so, I mean, but this is, this was good to segue into our current events mm-hmm. because one of our current events, it happens to be about abortion travel. So this week and what had happened was, is that since the uh, uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned, there've been a lot of corporations who have decided that they're going to provide travel to other places if the state that their employee resides has a ban on abortions. So there's like a laundry list of companies. Like, so some of the companies, I'll read some of them off. Amazon, Bank of America, BuzzFeed, uh, Cigna, Citigroup, CNN, Comcast, uh, CVS, Dick Sporting Goods, um, Goldman Sachs, Hewlett Packard, Ikea, Kroger, the New York Times, Lyft, um, MasterCard. So this is paramount. It's just a couple of, there's a long list, but that gives you an idea of the companies. Well, one of the companies is our lovely Starbucks. <laughs> so we, you know, Starbucks has crack in it. I'm convinced <laughs> the way that people line up for Starbucks, including myself to get it and sit in the drive-through for hours to get Starbucks. But Starbucks is also one of those companies that has decided to provide abortion travel for their employees. But there is a stipulation. Um, currently, Starbucks is fighting tooth and nail to prevent their locations from coming becoming unionized. So what has happened is that they will provide the abortion travel, but if you are a part of the union, you do not fall into that category. So you uh, cannot get that benefit if you are a part of a union. So now I have to decide if I'm going to get all of my um, iced coffees from Dunkin' Donuts because (laughs) this is some bullshit Starbucks. Like, what the fuck? They fought I don't understand that. Like, <laughs> like, is that is that really because of union rules, or are they dangling dangling that out there because mm-hmm. they don't want their employees to actually be unionized? Yes, and it's like you're dangled the carrot. Why are you dangling the abortion carrot? Like, yes, out of all of the things that you could, I guess it's a hot topic to throw out there. By the way, we will cover your abortion. Right. The union. But it's like, come on, Starbucks. It's, it's very <laughs> Everywhere, free cups of coffee. Why don't we start there? Right. That's, I mean, that's a smart way to do it, right? It's, it's sinister when you present those options to people, when you know these people are trying to get a union together because you've been mistreating them. And all of a sudden, you're going to come and use that as a means to it's just, I don't understand what's wrong with people. Like, remember your humanity. And I I hate, you guys remember back, like, some years back, they'd be like, corporations are people too. No, people <laughs> make the corporations. Well, under the law, under the law, they, they, are. they are. They're treated yeah. like people. So that's where people get that saying from, because, like, yes. legal which is also still fucked up, but it is. It is. It is. 
Because how would you run a company without people to do the work? Like, don't do this. And you know, they made that up for tax reasons. Tax oh, yeah. Reasons. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to get money, trying to save money. So, you know. Isn't Starbucks the place during um, 2020 and all of the racial injustice and the protests with George Floyd? Aren't they the place that, that had the two... Um, they had the black men that were having a meeting and then they, okay. I was like, I didn't want to like spill all the details and then it not be Starbucks and I'd be like, oh, my bad Starbucks. But I thought it was, yeah. Yeah. I I remember when they were dealing with, um, you know, just biases, right? And how to deal with racial injustice. And it felt like they missed the mark a little bit on that too. It was like, let's have the day off to talk about biases like <laughs> they did an, they did a whole company uh training oh. in one day like yeah. shut all, they closed all the starbucks for like one day all, how about give black people a free cup of coffee like it, it, give us something don't take things away it's only three bucks just me. it's a mess it's a whole it's a whole mess so, moving on for starbucks tamra tell us about Delta. I do not have the details. All I know is they were offering $10,000 to people to cancel their flights on overbooked flights. Okay. So this is crazy because it it seems like overbooking flights is like standard standard practice now. Everything is overbooked. <laughs> um, and I don't know, Candace, because you travel. Sometimes when you check in on a Delta flight, and I don't know if this, I've never had this happen with another um airline but when you check in with delta it always sometimes when you check in it says if you are offered a uh, will you give up your seat if you are offered a certain amount of money it asks you that before you check in so Mm -hmm. you can so it's kind of like you can volunteer to give up your seat ahead of time because they know that the flight is already overbooked at at this point and most of the time sometimes it'll have a dollar amount and sometimes it doesn't have a dollar amount well this particular flight was and this was weird because we were saying that it was such a short flight. It was a flight from like Grand Rapids, Michigan to like Minnesota, St. Paul. And they were asking for eight people to give up their seats and they would give them $10,000. Like, um, and they were like, if you have Apple Pay, you can get the money right now because <laughs> we'll just send, send you the money. And so everybody was like, $10,000, that seems to be a lot. But what they did, Delta did recently is that they raise the amount that they can offer people and their amount is is like up to $10,000 that they can offer people if they want to give up their seat in an overbooked flight. And so I was like, I mean, that would that's a no-brainer for me. I would have just got on up and been like, as long as you get my bag from underneath, like, I'm good. Like, give me the 10 Gs. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready you to could get keep my bag. 10,000. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like, you know, let's, let's go. Like, have it. Yeah, so so it's it's just, you know, they're overbooking flights, but this is like a larger issue. So we can give you $10,000 because we overbooked the flight, but we overbooked the flight because we're short on staff because we decided that you shouldn't wear a mask on the plane and people have COVID and we don't have enough people to work. So it's a, it's a, it's a result of something that they created. So, because I know when they were talking about the mask mandate, they said that the um, CEO of Delta was the one that um, actually was heading up the fight to get people to not wear masks on the flights. 
So you started it all, and now you have to give up $10,000 for people to give up a seat because you don't have nobody to work because everybody's sick. It's like you, it's, it's not working smarter, it's working harder. And it sounds, the whole thing sounds stupid to me. Now, I take the $10,000. And hands down, I'm taking the $10,000. But, you know, if you had the necessary flights, you guys, they've been canceling flights. Like we went to like my parents, we went to Jamaica, mm-hmm. my parents, we took my parents to the airport so they could go back home the next day, get home early so they could rest. We dropped them off at the airport. By the time we got back to my apartment, they were calling us talking about some, they canceled our flight. So my parents sat in the airport for eight hours to get on a flight to go home. That's crazy. <laughs> and that's so, yeah. so the thing is that fix it, Jesus. Like y'all have the power to fix it, but y'all are the ones creating the problems that you need to fix. So Delta, you know, I love my sky miles and all of that good shit and the flights of the bomb. Yay. But I need y'all to get this shit together because all of these airlines canceling things and doing all these offering up all these monies and all of this. uh, You can prevent that if you have your employees to work, but you got to do what you got to protect your people. And you're not protect. I mean, they even have the um the pilots on strike at uh at Hartsfield. The Delta pilots are on mm-hmm. are, are protesting. Excuse me, they're not on strike, but they're protesting yeah. every day at the airport. Yeah, I was gonna bring it right back to you know talk about union talk because they are protesting across multiple um, airports. And then also, I saw American Airlines. They did. They had like a system glitch or something to where like 12,000 pilots were incorrectly, you know, dropped from their scheduled flights. And so the union like is into it because now there's at least 12,000 flights that legit have no pilot at all. So that's crazy. And it starts, you know, through, and and that is going to be the case through the end of July. So it's like at this point, it don't matter. I'm going to take my chance with Delta because then I may get $10,000 <laughs> these other airlines where I'm just gonna have no pilot show up. So. <laughs> right. Uh, we shouldn't even be having to make these decisions. And I'm so glad that when Bug comes back, she's not flying back because it's, she was like, Mom, what happens if my flight gets canceled? And I was just like, you know what? That has to be terrifying. There was a kid whose flight got canceled and they did nothing to like make sure this kid was safe and that's crazy because unaccompanied minors are supposed to be taken care of Mm -hmm. when flights are canceled they're supposed to be put on the next flight regardless Mm -hmm. and this kid was sitting i think they were there for like 13 or 15 hours at the airport by themselves there's no way Unacceptable. Ever. Uh, that's crazy. Unacceptable. Someone's getting sued. Yeah. Don't you ever. I also don't know, like, when's the last time y'all traveled? Because the airport experience used to be great, but it's gotten pretty shitty. Like, oh none of like, the chargers work. Like, all of the seats are uncomfortable. There's, like, crumbs and food everywhere. None of the, like, the food kiosks are, are actually open. Like, all of the actual food vendors are closed. Like, don't even try to go to a bar because they don't have no liquor left. Like, yeah. it's just it's worst experience. So, you know, kid terrible. But even as an adult, 
you're in there for five, six hours, you know, plus you can't do nothing. Where are you going to eat? Where are you going to stay? Yep. There's no, no place to sleep. It's just awful. I can say that we went, we flew out of the international terminal and mm -hmm. um, that was pretty spectacular. It took us like to get through TSA. It was like two seconds, like everything for that. But I know the domestic side is like a dumpster fire. It's, like it's oh, always it like a dumpster fire. So I don't know. That's, and that, that's, but that was the other thing we talked about how when you fly internationally, they don't charge you for your first bag. But when you fly domestic, they charge you the 30 or 40 bucks. I was like, why are we being punished for staying within the country? Like, I don't understand. I know. <laughs> and it's like, how is that the case? Like, are we showing off for our international counterparts by making this look all shiny? Like, come to America, you'll have a great time. Look how good the airport terminal is. Or are these international airports like contributing to the build out of that, like, section of the airport because it's like a night and day experience mm -hmm. even the lounges are top notch like they have caviar and shit like what, what? happened <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's pretty crazy <laughs> it's pretty crazy so enough of our current events let's talk about what we've been listening to uh candace you go first since you're our guest what have you been listening um, to this week yeah so um so first, I'm, I'm like, what have I been listening to? I should know. Um, Earth Gang, who signed to Dreamville, they dropped a deluxe of their album, Ghetto Gods. Yes. So definitely have been playing that. Um, there's some really good records on there. Um, a lot of great features on there. So I would say go ahead and check that out. Um, but I've also very much been on like a 70s kick. So I discovered this playlist on Spotify called The 70s Mix. Mm -hmm. And it's like LTD and Denise Williams and Minnie Riperton and Smokey and Black Michael Jackson. It's like all of these <laughs> incredible. Black it's all of these it's all of these good artists, and it's like the perfect vibe. So I've been on that lately as well. That's awesome. I have been listening to. I don't know why this song keeps popping up, but I always put it on repeat as soon as it comes up in my shuffle. But uh, Functional Addict, it's on Nigo's latest album, but it's Pharrell and Gunna. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and they are pretty much talking about a girl who's just like, this bitch is a drug addict, but she's functional. <laughs> and I was like, was this me in my 20s? So maybe that's what I was gonna say. What'd you say? <laughs> I was like, I know, uh, do I know this person? Because there's, there's a lot of people right. who I know. I was listening to that. And also because of the um, Can't Stop, Won't Stop documentary, The Bad Boy Story, mm -hmm. I have been taking a journey down memory lane of Puff Daddy and the family. And so I've been listening to Been Around the World remix. I didn't regale you with that. Uh, when we went to brunch, Tamara, but <laughs> that has been on repeat. You've probably been like, if you play this one more time. <laughs> the version with um, Carl Thomas? Uh, yes! With our boy, Carl. First of oh, all... Oh, <laughs> I forgot. It just, yes. First of yes. all, that is one of my favorite remixes. So you could have played it. I would have been all right with that, because that's one of my favorite remixes. I do love that. That's funny. Diddy was, had all the great remixes. Mind do you yeah. know when when Diddy did that Bad Boy reunion tour, what yes. is this, maybe two, three years ago, 
I actually caught the show in Atlanta. I don't know if y'all were there. I missed it. it was, I was in LA. It was so good. And Carl Thomas, you know, like some people there on the tour, they're like, hmm. it's nostalgic, but they definitely don't got it. Yeah. Carl Thomas did not miss a beat. Like he was so good. Like, I don't, I don't know what he's doing right now, but he should definitely be making music. He actually was on the Essence Fest um, he performed at Essence Fest last night with D-Nice. Because, you know, when oh. D-Nice does it, he brings people out. So he brought out Carl Thomas, Stephanie Great. Mills, and um, the Drew Hill Men's Choir. Because it's like it was like seven of them on stage. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I don't recall Drew Hill having seven members. But okay, y'all, that's fine. Whatever y'all doing, I don't, it's whatever. But um, four? It was four guys. It was four. But yeah, there's like four, seven maybe, people. It was like seven. Five. No, seven five. people were on the stage last night. And I was watching it like this. Okay, I know <laughs> who that is. And I know who that Like, I was really like. Nokio. Nokio is good. So Nokio, Cisco. Um, and then what they did, so you guys can laugh. Do y'all yes. remember the group? You remember the group Playa? Yes. Okay, so you know that the one guy in player who uh static who wrote all the songs, he died. So yes. the other two dudes joined Drew Hill. So that so it's the two dudes from Didn't player. nobody say nothing about that. <laughs> right. right. <When> <laughs> it's what so the two dudes from player, then it was um, then it was uh um oh my god, then it was Cisco, and then it was uh Jazz was on there. Cause they jazz came back because jazz hasn't been Who's jazz? is that the, That's the big one, one. That yeah. jazz came back yeah. last night okay. so there was jazz so it was uh the two guys from players cisco jazz nokio and then there were two other dudes that have been in and out of drew hill in different iterations of the group and the two of them so that was like oh <laughs> and i was I like about new edition like every like sometimes it'd be five, sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's twenty. <laughs> like how yes. many people are in new edition? But but it was funny because everybody on like social media was like, what in the Drew Hill men's choir? I was like, I do not know what's happening. <laughs> but it was so funny because I was like, I was literally oh, looking at the TV counting people. To like, I was because I was like, this is this looks crazy to me. And then they were singing my song, they were singing Beauty, and I was like, seven people should not be singing this song, it's not oh, supposed not to be seven like seven. <laughs> right? um, <laughs> what are we doing? The Alto, Reynolds, Timmons, like, what's happening? I was just, it was a hot mess, it was a whole lot going on. It but did y'all feel some kind of way about Jodeci? Because I love the moment on the BET Awards with Josie, but I was like, I'm missing a few people here. Like Devon, this is Devontae wasn't there. It was uh Dalvin uh, was there, Casey and Jojo were there. Casey and Jojo were there, um, and they had their new teeth in. So um <laughs> So it's only it's only four of them total. It's is only four of them yeah. total, and Devontae wasn't okay. there. But the last time I heard that he was a little strong on the out, but that's a you know, oh, okay. that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Look. Did Dalvin? Did Dalvin still look fine? Yeah, Dalvin no. did Dalvin not look did fine. He? Yeah, Dalvin's always like fine. Candace, you don't get any say so. Oh, you know Dalvin was the fine one. Devonte with the green eyes, I didn't like him. 
but I liked Dallas. Yeah, Dallas Is it just me, but was Casey looking fine? No. He, he looked, let me say this. <laughs> let me say this. I mean, he was less normal. Better. He looked better than okay. he normally does because he's he's very thin and uh, oh god, uh, this is gonna sound terrible. He's very lizardy, but he just yes. but, but he wasn't so lizardy when they performed the other night. He was. Can I tell you a fact? When I was a child, um, in a child meaning a teenager, like I was old enough to know, but I was. Essence Music Fest, and it was Casey and JoJo, and they were performing. And I don't know what drug Casey was on, but he was getting it all the way in. And at one point, he took his belt off and he dropped his pants, like <gasps> full frontal, dick out, swinging it to the crowd. No! And everybody who had their kids, they were like, "Oh, go look!" And I was like. Hmm. <laughs> Yes. So every time I see Casey and Jojo, I think about this moment that was like <laughs> a turning point in my teenage years. Candace, that doesn't make him fine. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Clearly, oh I have a bias over here. Oh, God. Candace had meat in her eyes. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. That's so funny. Maybe that's why uh, that's why Mary J. Blige is acting all crazy. I don't know. Like, I, I know. I mean, yeah, I was like, so loving you is all. That's all I want to do. I don't want yeah. to be nothing else but love you. I mean, Mary, I, guess, I, I mean, guess we understand. But she was on drugs too, so it's whatever. Like, cocaine <laughs> like, is a hell of a drug. It was. A, it is a hell of a drug. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Cardi B put out a new single, Hot Shit, featuring Kanye West and Lil Durk. And even though I'm not, uh, you know, I'm trying to ex Kanye out of my life, he actually sounded good on the song. So I'm not going to, really? you know, tussle with him this week. Um, and then because Usher has done this tiny desk that oh um, my God. I, have heard, I have heard Superstar by Usher 155,000 times this week. And I, I love the song and it's like you hear it and it doesn't get any, it doesn't sound any different. Like you just love it all over again. So I'm not, you know, tired of it, but I've just heard it so much this week because he did that Tiny Desk. Candace, okay, you watch for The Tiny Desk? Yeah. I've watched uh, multiple moments of it and I kept going back to the moments. So I never like finished <laughs> the entire thing because so what good. I thought I really loved. And I was like, let me hurry up and try to see if I could get a ticket because I know his residency is back. It will be ending. So I was like, I want some of that. Anita Baker left. And oh, yeah. I heard, I just heard like Earth, Wind and Fire is going to Vegas. So I was like, damn, I need that too. Hmm. Especially because I've been on my 70s kick. Well, Usher's in October and me and Tara are going. We bought our tickets. Okay. Go. Y'all have tickets? Yeah, we Where are. Have you we you got um, the date so I can see if I can hustle some. We got tickets for the last show of the uh, of his residency, which is um, Halloween weekend. So it's October 29th. Ooh, are y'all gonna go in like costumes? Y'all gonna <laughs> no? I don't know about that, but I know being in, in Vegas <laughs> for Halloween sounds like so much fun. Like it sounds it amazing. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, Oh, you know what? I should. I can get my Anderson Pop wig and my Tyler the Creator wig and show up in a powder blue suit. Thank you, Candace. 
Tamara's hanging. Total side note, because I know y'all have, like, there's a structure to this, and I keep interrupting, but did y'all hear uh, Killer Mike dropped a, a record called Run, um, no. and Dave Chappelle is in the video, it features, and Dave Chappelle is on the record, it fe features Dave Chappelle and Young Thug, and it was produced by No ID, but it's all about, it's dropping tomorrow, but it has a lot of, like, really great connotations to where we are. In America, it's kind of like a modern, this is America. Wait, yeah, it was. This is America. Okay, thank you. I was like, is that the name on um, Childhood Ambulance? But it was. Yes. yes. So it's kind of like that. They're going to be like, she work in music? Are you sure she don't have any members in justice? Yeah. So it's, I, I heard a little bit of it and it was excellent. So I'm kind of curious to see how folks are going to respond to that record. I'm gonna have to look that one up because I think I saw like a clip on his page, but I didn't actually uh -huh. listen, listen to it. I saw the visual, but I didn't listen to it. So I need to go back to that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great. I, you know, this helps us segue into episode 22. What's the use? And what that comes from is we're this is our last episode for Black Music Month. Yes, it's finishing up in July. Just shut up and pretend it's June. Um, <laughs> we missed a week, cut us some slack. But this is the final episode in this series for Black Music Month. And we have tackled everything from international music um, by Black people, house music. We created it. I don't care what anybody fucking says. Um, you know, the legal side of things in the business, which Candace, you are very familiar with that also. And who's the other one? Hip hop. Pop. Yes, women, so, in, so. women and their love for hip hop, yep. Right, so now we've come full circle to talk about, you know, the lifestyle. Music lifestyle can be very draining, very chaotic. And this is kind of, this was one of the reasons we, we're excited to have Candace here because, you know, she's the first she executive of Dreamville. So she gets to see, she spearheaded things in a way that other people are not privy to, or you're just used to men doing this thing. But she has touched everything at Dreamville, all the projects and whether it's music or it's the film and the TV side of things. So she's very well aware of the lifestyle. So one of the things that was of interest to us, you know, Candace, have you heard of the 27 Club? Have I? I want to say yes, but can you remind me? Yes. Did we talk about it on the side? Here and there, it comes up. Yes. So like okay. most people now in this day and age, it, the minute you mention Amy Winehouse, you realize, oh, okay, it's that okay. club where everyone was 27 when they died. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly white people, but there have been some black people who were part of the 27 club. You know, the most famous one was Jimi Hendrix, who, mm -hmm. you know, he died from choking on his vomit. And then, you know, you also had uh, Robert Johnson, which that was well before our time, but people are very familiar with him because he was the blues musician that it was alleged he made a deal with the devil. Sold his soul to the devil so he could play the guitar. Right. And then even though some people 
well, most people know Jean-Michel Basquiat for his art, mm-hmm. you know, his painting. Mm-hmm. He was actually in a band too. It was experimental music. He, it was called Gray. So you have these musicians who died at 27, but you also have other musicians, the most famous we know who was almost 27. He was 25, Tupac, and then Biggie mm-hmm. a year later. This is violence. Excuse me, Mac Miller, Overdose, Candace, you know, mm-hmm. Soldier Slim. Mm-hmm. That was a murder. And so you mm-hmm. have all of these, these young people who are in their, you know, in their 20s, even to their 30s, like Nipsey Hustle. Their mm-hmm. lifestyles are converging or th- with their music. And so some of them are predicting their deaths. It's almost like they write it into their lives, but you also, if you look at more people who have died young, they're dying from things like brain tumors, aneurysms, cancer, and it's a lot. And it's like, there has to be some connection with the lifestyle that comes with music and these people dying, like this is not healthy and you can't, you can't leave me to believe these people had healthy mind states when they were, I mean, it's obvious, you know, people who are mm-hmm. OD and don't have healthy mind states, right. but mm-hmm. these people who are dying from cancer and, <clears throat> excuse me, brain tumors and all these other things that aren't overdoses or someone murdering them, it still takes a toll on your health. And so that was one of our big things, Candice, where we wanted to bring attention to how stressful the lifestyle can be and why, because it is stressful being the center of attention, but all the things that come along with that, you know, we figured mm-hmm. you could speak to that, Candace. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot, <laughs> I'm like, where do I start? There's so much in there to to unpack. And so a lot of who you were naming were artists, but there's also just a lot of people in the business mm-hmm. that would go right on the 27 Club list. And what we say a lot of times, like whether, you know, there's folks that agree or not, is that... Um, you know, we'll take J. Cole, for instance, J. Cole is bigger than J. Cole. Like, mm-hmm. he is an artist, and there's a tremendous amount of pressure that comes with being an artist and the access and being on and the fight for privacy and just just the momentum of being an artist. But these artists are more than just one person. There's a machine you know, that's behind them. It's all, all, all of the people that all of the producers, all of the engineers, all of the executives, all of the managers, all of the agents, all of the, you know, record label execs, et cetera, the publicists that make up this machine, this brand that mm-hmm. is branded by the name of the artist. And to do that, you know, machines only work when they're churning properly. And a lot of times when you think of it, you know, a machine or something in in a factory, right? It's churning an unreasonable amount of hours, right? (laughs) And so you're always on. And there's no such thing 
as, um, well, there's very little things, you know, such as time off. There's been very little as it relates to wellness and like really understanding that. And that's something that I'm super proud of about Dreamville is that we pay 100% of employees' medical insurance cost. And so there's no cost, you know, coming out of the paycheck for our employees to have medical insurance, um, which includes mental health insurance, that includes vision, that includes dental. And so we are proud of that. We're proud of having personal days. We're proud of having like a work environment that does try to balance the work-life balance, but there's so much, I feel like I'm saying a lot and nothing at the same time because there's so <laughs> much in there to like specifically dissect. There is, but I think the biggest thing as far as the industry goes is the expectation that in order to succeed and in order to make it, you have to sacrifice your well-being. There's not a lot of examples of, oh, let's do this the healthy way. You know, oh, you have someone who's died in your family. Take all the time that you need. It's like, okay, take the time you need, but remember, you got an album dropping next month or you have this appearance you have to do, or you were scheduled for this, that, and the other. Like, it's one of those, like you said, the machine is constantly churning. So and when, you, when you become a cog in that particular machine, when you stop, it jams up the machine. The entire thing, and the system can't go down. The machine can't break because there's a product that has to constantly be, you know, an output. But some of that, it's not just, you know, the artists and the employees themselves, but it's also like, it feels like from a corporation, like corporate America point of view, like that, that ceiling and then and that space to be able to, I just like to the breath, to breathe, mm-hmm. to, you know, have some time off, like it's gone. And so we feel it in, in our industry, but it feels like something that's just systemically felt you know, across the board, because it, it, we are not designed to work the way that we work, the mm-hmm. hours that we work, the, the intensity that we work. And then you take, you know, particularly what's specific to entertainment is that there's no weekends, there's a lot of travel, mm-hmm. you know, you record in studios, sometimes to the wee hours of the morning, you know, when you're on a production set, I'm on a production set, 15, 16 hours. You know, a lot of that is unionized, but it's unionized, like their day don't stop at eight, you know, eight hours. It's full, you know, 12, 15 hours a day before you um, in time and a half. And so there's a lot of considerations as to just how the culture is. Mm -hmm. And then that then feeds down to the individual folks that are working in the culture and continue to perpetuate it. But um, I don't know how to break it. I am most definitely also, I would say a victim of it. Like I, since you know me, like I'm a complete workaholic, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a, uh, you know, I don't know when this is gonna air, but it's certainly a, a, a Sunday and you guys are working, <laughs> you're also working. So this is right. a good time to bring it up. but. You know, it's just hard to maintain that. Um, and 
it's even harder when you love what you do, which I yeah. personally do. And so it doesn't feel like work anymore, even though you are mm-hmm. always like punched in. So watching something I can't remember what it was but Mary J Blige was talking about when she was younger you know because she loves she loves to party and even at her age that she is now she says she still loves to party she just doesn't party the same because back then when she was in her 20s and 30s it was like go from one party to the next party to the next knowing she had to be in the studio like that next day no mm-hmm. sleep doing whatever to keep herself awake but totally energized the whole time and now Mm -hmm. she is like don't get me wrong I still party here and there but it's not back to back like that like when I need a nap I full on stop and I go take a nap because my body is not gonna keep going like Mm -hmm. she was like I push myself to the max and we also were privy to a lot of Mary's life her burnout and how she had coping mechanisms that were not healthy and we see this in the industry like some of these artists who have they say it's suicide or it's an overdose they're coping with life like I gotta be up and be in the studio but I also gotta go do this taping at Saturday Night Live and then I gotta do this interview back at the hotel at this time and then oh god when can I sleep I can't so let me start this cocaine you know what I'm saying and then you Mm -hmm. develop this habit and then it's just Mm -hmm. like oh they overdose yeah but part of that was due to their lifestyle just trying Mm -hmm. to up with everything and that was one of the things as far as the music industry goes it's uh, it almost seems like it's an expectation that that is going to happen if you want to be a superstar it's gonna you're gonna have to sit with it like what yeah. do I need to do at some point and it may be different drugs of choice for people whether they're on the corporate side or and we see this like Wall Street for instance Mm-hmm. it's common knowledge that a lot of people on Wall Street back in the 80s, I don't know how it is now, but back in the 80s and 90s, they had to be there for like 12, 15, 16, 18 hours. So they were doing bumps of cocaine to stay awake. It's probably still the same. <laughs> it probably is because money never stops, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's one of those things, Candice, you know I moved to L.A., back in 2016 and it was solely to work on my writing career I wasn't a musician I wasn't writing songs people this is like for tv and film but there's a lifestyle out there that you have to keep up with too or else you will get blocked out you have to be available it doesn't matter if you've been at your nine to five for the last Mm -hmm. hour Mm -hmm. if you got an event an hour after you get off work, you better have your ass there because those opportunities are important. So yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff like that 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 um, outside folks would think, oh, you're having fun. But there's a lot of things <laughs> that are work for me. Like when I'm at a a festival or at a when I'm at a concert, like it's still work for me. Like I'm, I'm working, like I am greeting our guests. I'm running back and forth. I'm making sure that people are in our spots. And even if I'm just sitting there enjoying the show, it's still, I'm at work because I don't have my personal time. You know, if I'm out having drinks or dinner, that's work 
if there's an industry event that I'm supposed to be at or an award show, that's work time. If I'm having mm -hmm. to make sure I watch this movie or film or listen to this album, like that has a work, like all of that stuff like plays into the work. And, and while, you know, it's more fun to do, you know, than doing a spreadsheet at home, but it's still me taking away from time that should be invested into other things that further my wellness or further, you know, my well-being and just, you know, make me a more, um, I would say, rounded person. Like that's time taken away from those things. And so when you add that on top of working a job that has non-traditional hours mm -hmm. uh, on top of, you know, those industry expectations because of the culture you're on all of the time. And that's just me as an executive, you know, artists even more so. And what artists are also chasing, because as an executive, I think we have a little bit more of a lifeline is ageism too. Yes. Oh, yes. That's a, that's a very big thing because at some point, particularly in hip hop, you know, do you burn out or is there a decay, you know, in your ability to monetize your art because now you're of an age that people aren't connecting to or there's been a shift in music and culture because there's a new wave of youngsters who are hungry, who are moving at a pace that's forcing you to try to match their pace. And so that's something as well where people try to hustle and kind of bank as much as they can as humanly possible because at some point, you know, there will be that decline. Yeah, it's, I'm always interested to know, have you seen anyone who's greatly impacted by the culture actually work around it? Have you seen any examples of that? Uh, oh. <laughs> You've been doing I mean, this for a while. I've been doing it for a very long time. I've been doing it now about 24 years within the entertainment space. I've mm -hmm. seen people every so often, and I will say younger executives are much better at this. And sometimes I'd be looking at them like, but when they, they will say no. They will set boundaries. I can't work today, or I, I have to leave early today because I have this yoga class. And I'm like, fuck a yoga class, but I have to catch myself, right? Because what they are saying is not about the class. What they're saying is my life and my yes. wellness is important to me. And I need balance in that. And so I've seen that happen a lot with young folks. And I, I, I'm at least the type of uh, manager that is respectful of that. Mm -hmm. And I've seen certain artists, we have artists on our roster that do like a really great job of incorporating wellness into their day-to-day, -day, into their practice, like whether that's, you know, going to therapy or meditation or exercise or yoga or just spending time with their family saying, no, I am not doing this. I'm not taking this show. I am not reachable. I am not traveling. I'm not on this project because my time with my wife or my time with my wife and kids are, is incredibly important to me. And so I, I learn more from folks who do put up those boundaries because I have never 
really been able to in my life, mm-hmm. which is something that I, you know, consistently work on. So it happens, but it's still like the vast majority of people like just go, go, go. Yeah, and I, I think that's why these things, as far as the music industry goes, why these people get to the point where people who didn't have drug habits before all of a sudden have them. Um, and they, they keep them the entire time they're working in the industries because it's a competitive industry. Mm-hmm. Like you, mm-hmm. you take a nod for two seconds and somebody has zoomed past you. So they you have. have to be like, oh, how do I stay ahead? How do I get these platinum plaques? How do I get these award-winning shows? And it really is, I think I was, re- yeah. I was reading Will Smith's um, biography and he was saying, while everyone else is resting, he's working. Mm -hmm. So uh, you think you need to sleep eight to 12 hours. I'm working during that eight to 12 hours of your sleep and I've already gone past you. But I Mm -hmm. think while we have been conditioned to think of that as admirable, right? Like, oh, they're dedicated. They're willing to do whatever. It does in that same book, he mm-hmm. shows how it has affected his personal life. Mm-hmm. It's affected his relationship with his wife and it's affected his relationship with all of his children because yeah. of that ambition to stay ahead. And so I don't think it's any different for musicians because you see there's new music, you know, like you always be like, I hope don't nobody come I, out of my I, house and give me mixtapes. No, I, I mean, I do. I mean, that's my biggest fear that somebody knocks on the door and it's like, here's a mixtape. And I'm like, ah, like, you know where I live? Because trust me, I get the phone calls and they'd be like, is this, is this Candace? Is this Candace Ronnie? Or they say, is this CJ Ronnie? Because that's on my IG. And mm-hmm. as soon as somebody calls CJ, I know that they really don't know me. Um, and I'm not going to say what people who know me call me because, you know, yes. you know, because I was a little Instagram people to stop calling me that. But like, I, I always know when it's someone who legit doesn't know me, I'm like, oh, you have the wrong number. And they'd be like, we know it's you. I'm like, <laughs> like crazy. Like people are crazy about their dreams. But when, when you were talking about will those, then like what came up for me is also a lot of the examples that you talked about, we're talking about people of color, yeah. you know, like, and so where I think a lot of what Will was, um, you know, speaking of came from, like he has talked about so openly, like he had this goal and the people around him knew what the goal was. He wanted to be the biggest movie star in the world mm-hmm. at, at one point in his life. And so in order to achieve that, like he is breaking the boundaries of race, of gender, of sexuality. Mm-hmm. He, he has to be as neutral, but he also has to be as ahead of everybody else yeah. as humanly possible. You go and work films in China, you're gonna be the first one on set. His memory is insane. I've never seen, I'm, I'm picking up a receipt from a table. I've never seen somebody be like, okay, I got it. And hit every word like so he he took like uh additional training to get his memory together he took additional training to understand human behavior and how like you know the mind works it's crazy but all of those things 
were part of his working. And while you're sleeping, he's bettering himself. He's changing mm -hmm. his body. He's making him, you know, proficient as an actor, as an artist, as a, as a human. And all of that goes to the point of it is so much harder for us mm -hmm. than it is for them. And so we do have to work 10 times harder and we do have to be, you know, have to do 200% just to, you know, move 50% forward. Like, you know, like you just have to do so much. And I see that pressure come down on artists, particularly artists of color um, wow. that I do not see and have not seen in other aspects of music. Now they may have some different things to worry about that we don't have to worry about, but yeah. that um, definitely, I think comes into play as well. I think the whole wellness thing too, me and Tamara were talking about this earlier because you know, I was moving this weekend and I was like, uh, maybe after I record, I'll go finish moving like the little Oz in it. And Tara was like, what are you doing? Like, just, you can do that tomorrow. But in my mind, and this is how we, our generation was conditioned by our parents that if you are not constantly doing something that can be considered productive, you're being lazy. And mm -hmm. I have to condition myself because my body is just like, no, bitch, sit down. Like, sit down. Mm -hmm. We can do this tomorrow. But mm -hmm. my brain is like, well, maybe I should get as much done today so I have less to do tomorrow. And I don't put that off on Bug because I don't want her to be in that mental state. And this is where we sometimes separate our wellness um, our mental wellness from our physical, even though our brain is a physical part of our body where we're like, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to push myself. So I think the difference with this generation is that they're just like, no, fuck you. I'm tired. I'm not going to yeah. push myself. That doesn't mean I want it any less. It just means I want yeah. to be alive to achieve it. So with Bug, yeah. you know, she negotiated with me. I don't know if I told you she was on the honor roll. Uh, the, the last the last uh quarters last semester of school and she told me she was like listen if you want me to do the honor roll which by the way you guys I do not push her to be on the honor roll at all this was her choice but she said in order for her to maintain those grades she has to get 10 to 12 hours of sleep a day and don't bother her on the weekend and I was like okay let's see if you do it straight A's but it was that need that that recognizing that sometimes we as adults we push off to the side I can just push myself a little more she had boundaries I'm not doing what all these things you want me to do on the weekend mom and get my rest I can't one has got to give so either you want me to help you and I be a C student or you figure that shit out and I get straight A's and I've seen the difference in who she who she is becoming when she has that autonomy to yeah. actually take care of herself. And I feel like in this industry, in the music industry, where you know the the leadership is supposed to be setting the example, but the leadership operates in a way where you can tell all of these people that we referenced earlier who died from violence or drug overdoses mm -hmm. or just not being healthy look at the leadership so 
you, we take Puff mm-hmm. Daddy for instance, right? He was, it was at a time where his lifestyle was no different than the rappers. Right. Mm-hmm. It was no different mm-hmm. than the R&B singers, right? Mm-hmm. But now Puffy is, Tamara, Puffy's like 50, right? Yeah, he's like 50, 51. And he was like, my body in that documentary, and that was in 2006, that bad boy review was 2016. But he was saying his body is failing him. And I think that's one of the things that is not taken into consideration. You mentioned ageism, Candace. They're like, you're going to mm-hmm. age out. So just burn yourself until you age out. And that's got to stop at some point. Or these people are still mm-hmm. keep dying unnecessarily, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, but you noticed something that I noticed as of late is that remember, and you guys will know this from like a few years of few years ago, probably about four or five years ago, um, it was the um, you sleep, we grind people. Remember those you sleep, yes. we grind people? Mm-hmm. Where are those yeah. people? Like, I don't see that. I That's a message that I never, ever see in the anymore <laughs> like I used to four or five years ago. There's no more we sleep. It's like we sleep. Like we... What I'm sleep, y'all go ahead and grind. I'm going to sleep. But it's like it was like that was really the mentality behind a lot of people in the industry. It was like we have to keep, mm-hmm. going, keep going, keep going. And then it was all of a sudden like somebody was like, "Yeah, no, that's not really healthy." And then it was like all of yeah. a sudden you just don't see that messaging anymore. And I don't, you know, I, I'm not saying that it was like everybody was doing it, but it was like everybody was saying it. Like I'm getting mm-hmm. this done, y'all in the bed. I'm doing this. I'm making these things, but I don't see mm-hmm. that messaging at, I don't see it at all, actually. I used to see it a lot, and now I don't really see it at all, now that I think about it. I definitely think there's there's a shift. Like, uh-huh. I see it. I think there's a, a true generational shift, and I play all the time, and maybe I should stop playing this, but um, when you were talking about Puff, it made me think about, like, you know, one of the, the mottos can't stop, won't stop. Like, and so like thinking of that, he has this one video when he's like making a deal and I guess he got it done and he's like, whatever I want, I get. And he's like, yes. <laughs> and then he's like, what's next? I play that when I close deals. I, I like play that clip and I turn into that monster. Like whatever I want, I get. Like that is like, <laughs> like part of my like deal making DNA. Like I turn into that crazy person because that hunger and that satisfaction like really powers and, and drives me. And, but let me tell you about these young folks they're not driven by that in the same way. Like they don't have that ambition in, in, it's not defined in the same way that it was defined for our generation. And I think I've been doing this job for so long and so much of success to me has started to interconnect with my worth and value as a person. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if I'm not successful, if I'm not doing this job, then who am I? as a person and where do I fit in the world? Let me tell you, these young folks, they show up as themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and not wearing the mask of who they think they should be. And if they do things and they try things, it's because they truly want to explore. Like when I'm thinking about all of the parties that I went to where 
like cocaine was punched around on a platter. <laughs> I personally have never touched I've never seen such a thing like that. Like the bottle service girl like just has it like, you wanna do a line? It's like, uh, no, but a lot of people did because they felt as if they had to fit in. You know, mm. if they felt as if they had to find like what their space was you know, in, in this industry. And I think luckily for, for me, I didn't have to do that majority of my career because I was actually the lawyer. So they expect me to be a suit. They still mm-hmm. call me the suit today. Like they don't care what creative shit I do. I could produce and record and sing it and do the background checks. And I, I would still be like the suit, you know, to them because that's just the space in which I came up in. But generationally, like, I definitely see a shift. But even being a suit, you still see everything. Mm-hmm. All of it. You, and, and more than others. Because, That's- you know, you starting out as a lawyer, you saw things people didn't want seeing. That's so- correct. If I did not personally see it, I knew about it because I had to get some people out of some trouble that they would never want to see the light of day Mm -hmm. and I remember the moment I won't tell you who but I remember the moment because I my career has done a lot of jumps across different aspects of entertainment whether Mm -hmm. tv and film legal business exec creative as a producer music sports wherever I've kind of jumped around but I remember before I got into tv and film I was working in music and I was working in urban hip hop and I took this leap of starting to represent more and more people in the industry because I felt like there was this really interesting pocket of talent. All of the big people were signed to big agents and managers and had their big lawyers, most of them white. And then all of the coming up people like "Mm," didn't really have enough to afford a lawyer or they weren't quite there, right? But they had like this good middle section. And I remember when I was at an agency at some point in my career, they called them like the the D-list. I was like, like mm-hmm. y'all considered that the D-list? Like, like people who actually, who I listened to, like people who actually had business going on in the world. So I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna take all these people. And so I started to really build um, a name for myself as a lawyer within folks, um, within hip hop with folks who, you know, weren't selling out stadiums, mm-hmm. but also weren't like pushing mixtapes. And so I remember being in a club. I remember being in Miami. I remember being with super notable people within hip hop and I was in VIP with them. I'm still a lawyer. You know, I, I have been able to ride this line of having fun, but there, I always knew the rules. There's certain things that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. I could never date anybody who I was working with. Mm-hmm. I could never have to be very careful and I could never, you know, have sex with anybody who was working with. I could never dress um, promiscuously or dress with what guys would deem to be. Like, what does that mm-hmm. even mean? I said that out loud and I was like, ew, like, what is that? (laughs) I guess you guys know what I mean. The moment that I moved into the zone of the fun girl, it was over for me. Like I would not be trusted 
as the lawyer anymore or I could not move in certain spaces. But nevertheless, so I had to find this place of like not being a narc in a suit, but also not <laughs> being like a, a fun girl. So in a club in Miami, notable folks, and I remember this girl was like dancing with the people. There were bottles everywhere. Um, it was Moet. So you know what, what time period this was in the world. This is when Moet was actually popular. And the girl pulled up her dress and she just had on like a thong. And the dudes who all had bottles shook up the bottles and started pouring champagne down the crack of her ass. Oh. And I remember they're sitting there in a moment and I was like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm done, like I'm, I'm done trying to get people out of trouble for not showing up to a performance or something because they're high or they overslept. I was done with all the stupid stuff. I was done with people getting in trouble because of gun violations or you know, uh, minor drug violations. And I was definitely done with the disrespect to women. And I remember that being a turning point for me and I got out of music. Like I got out of music and hip hop for a very long time. And so I was TV and film for a very long time. I don't know, I mean, at least 11 years. Yep. And mm-hmm. then um, this opportunity at Dreamville came along. And I know within music, there are only a few people as artists who I would personally work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember saying like Ludo was always one of those people because he would get to to set and do his job like 15 minutes before time right and so if you weren't there 15 minutes early you were already late and always there like always on time um there were a lot of people in sports who I felt like okay I can go work for them and Cole was one of those folks I I met Cole Young um he uh went to college with my brother who's also you know a partner at Dreamville um, I started very early on um, working with them or giving advice, like even before he signed his deal. And I also remember like being in the height of the success, like going out, seeing shows, being in the club. And he would legit be like reading a book in a corner. <laughs> like legit, we were in like a nightclub and he would like leave early or he would, you know, be reading a book in a corner where he would, you know, very politely like escort, you know, some women to like sit in the section, but it wasn't the crazy foolishness of what I've seen in hip hop, you know, in my early career years. And so when the opportunity for Dreamville came along, not only was the whole team, you know, 14, 15 years in the game, but he has always you know, been respectful, at least to me, and respectful for what I've seen. And I think their brand had an identity in the culture that was coveted and that was also trusted. And so I was like, I guess, I guess I'm going back to music, guys. Um, and so it's been two years with them and the experience has been certainly night and day. But to get back to the subject, because I took it a whole other place even still. But you're fine. I'm listening. I'm listening. (laughs) No, but I think it's it's good that you mentioned this. It's good you mentioned it because this is your example. This is your example that it doesn't have to go the route of you're speaking your death into existence by all this violence that 
you're rapping about or singing about, or you, your life is so chaotic that you have to use drugs as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's no judgment to anybody listening For to this. For sure. Because- Or you're things you know that's gonna get you in trouble because you're being right. disrespectful to people or women and you're crossing boundaries that are gonna catch up with you or you're doing things that are gonna catch up with you. So there's that aspect of it for sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the, the situation that happened with, you know, like like Nipsey. There's also just people out here that are just jealous, that yeah. are just yes. not right. And so there's, there's that percentage of folks, like even if you've created these boundaries and you're not, doing those things you very much still have to watch your back at all times because there's there's a target there on you just because you've been successful and you found a way to get out of the hood and that may not fit as squarely into the 27 club but it's another you know version of some things that happen to people to where they you know are are dying before their time yeah, like Pop Smoke was 20. He, it was a home yeah. invasion. And it's just like, you weren't even old enough to drink it. We know he was drinking before that, but you weren't even legally old enough to drink and your life was taken away. So, you know, outside voice inside, sometimes when we present like, oh, these are problems with certain things in the world or in life, we like to be solution oriented, but I do think these types of conversations are worth having too, because it isn't so much about being solution oriented, because this isn't something that you fix overnight. Right. You have a lot of people who have to learn wellness. So even with these mogul, these music moguls that we all grew up with over the decades, and now they're older, they're in their 50s or their late 40s, and they're mm-hmm. realizing you know, these kids are, these new kids are right, where I have to take care of myself, because even, even the models who own the labels, mm-hmm. there's only so much they can do, right, but yeah. if there is an example there, like, that's one of the things with organizational leadership, we talked about Starbucks earlier, we talked about Delta, their organizational leadership fucking sucks, but mm-hmm. That is your example of how you're going to be as an employee or as an executive at a company is what does your culture push? Does your culture care if you live or die? And most Mm -hmm. of the times, you know, back when we were in high school, that culture was like, we can replace this person, but while they're here, we're going to get as much out of their talent as possible. So if they die young, they die young, but we can replace them. There were, so it's yeah. like kind of bringing it full circle to the lifestyle of musicians. We need to value these people's lives more than their talent. Because they're human beings. I think we also exactly. forget that. Yeah. You know, like they exactly. are... And, and there is a product there, but there's still there's still people who deserve the same breaks and privacy and moments to explore and value their lives the same way that all of us do. Um, and we just we definitely have to remember that. Um, I wish uh, I I wish that I've done a lot of things differently, and I'm definitely 
uh, I have failed in so many different aspects of the wellness conversation. So I've been able to navigate, you know, and, and to not go down the trappings of drugs or violence or, uh, you know, the traps that may be out there um, that are used against women. But I have certainly beaten my body down to a pulp, you know, in, in complete, you know, sacrifice to my career. And I would also say not only my body, but my spiritual well-being and, you know, my friendships, my family relationships, my, you know, romantic relationships, all of that has been second to the job and that's wrong and that I do know and it's also strange but it's been something that I was not only trained but that I adopted to be mm-hmm. what I thought was the ethos of like a successful executive and so now that I'm trying to untangle that and to do something different in this chapter of my life it's incredibly hard to do so mm-hmm. yeah some way for 40 years and and now it's like but to not work on the weekends like you know it's like <laughs> what do I do? and then I feel lazy like have have fun like I have permission to go have fun and it not be work like it's hard because it it, it is really unpacking some mm-hmm. things that you you know conditioned yourself to take on yeah it's I mean, I love how every time we have a guest on, it automatically becomes a Drink Champs episode. <laughs> it does. Yes, you, you it listen really to Drink does. Champs? I love me some Drink Champs. Yes. Even though we're not drinking. I don't know if it's the drinks. I don't know if it's the questions. But they get some stuff out in those interviews that I never heard. I'll be like, what? Yeah. Or they just. They, you know, yes. they have good moments, but they find a way to make it like rounded as well. Like it's a really great like interviewing platform. So who would have expected good. that out of Nori? Who would have ever expected that out of Nori? Never. Right. He actually be like a Noriega like talk, you know, podcast format hybrid. I would have been like pass. So <laughs> <laughs> wrong so wrong but it works and i think when people are comfortable and that's that's why i call it our another drink chance episode is because when people are relaxed they yeah. talk more you know if if i'm firing off all these questions and it's like a job interview this this is doesn't become fun anymore it's right. just like that Very podcast true. was dumb boring and i'm never listening to those bitches again and yeah. you know we strive to be a little more lively than that. We want, you know, we want people like you to come back on, you know, because who knows where you're going to be even next year. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In your trajectory of success. I'm so, either going to be running some shit or selling some ice cream on the beach. Like, they can go <laughs> away right now. Either one, Candace, have- you will be number one when so you be bombed. That's, that's true. So I'm I'm in this space right now where I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is next for me. And it's not even about the job. It's about exactly what you guys are saying. What did you say? What's the use? Yes. Yes. What's the use? What the fucking point? What's the fucking point of doing all of this? 
And, you know, running a company like Dream Build or making money or having success and traveling the world, what's the point if you're dead? You know, like, that's crazy. And so many of us as executives or so many of us as artists or, you know, you know, just creatives in the music and entertainment business are so close. And Mm -hmm. it's exactly what you said. It doesn't have to be drugs or gun violence, but heart attacks, strokes, Mm -hmm. cancer, you know, um, just major surgeries. Like people are just dropping dead. And I don't want to be on that list. I'm not going to be on that list. Let me just say that. You won't. Yeah. (laughs) We will not allow you. We will drag you back and not let you go. (laughs) (laughs) Shake me. Yeah. This has been great, though. I I love. Thank you for being on our last episode for season one. Uh, we are going hiatus actually, so that we can plan season two. We can improve ourselves, improve maybe our logo, improve how you know whether or not we're going to do post this start posting this stuff on YouTube. I don't know. We don't know. But season two is coming and hopefully we'll have more great guests like Candace. Maybe she'll come back on and regale us Love. with more stories. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that. People are going to be guessing like Miami. It was blah, blah, blah. It was <laughs> well, you know what? Tank is, Tank is, uh, as as said it, you probably know who it is. And if not, I, I'll text you on the side and tell you. Right. But, yeah. Tank and Jay Valentine have a podcast and they have a little segment where it's called No Names. So their guests have to tell a story about somebody in the industry but they cannot say their name. And I think it's so fun because people are going to be trying to figure it out. Like, And they're like, these people know who they are. Yes. I was going to say, Candace is going to get all the hit dogs because everybody that's ever been in Miami is going to be like, was that me? Totally. <laughs> and then I told that they're like, well, such and such used to drink Moet. Such and such used to write rap lyrics about Moet and be like, y'all gonna be Tell. wrong. <laughs> no names. Not be dropping any names. Do not ask. Right. Anyway, thank you for being on. I hope like people listen to this and really think about like the lifestyles that are attached to this because it does, it opens up the conversation to take it from a place out of judgment to be like, you know what, if these people are determined to succeed, look at what they have to go through. How do we as a culture shift, Mm -hmm. help shift that for them so that people are not killing themselves to be successful especially these talented people like we don't get their talent anymore when they're gone so how Mm -hmm. do we make this more a more sustainable lifestyle so maybe the right people will listen to it maybe people will follow your lead and what you're trying to shift to candace because it is infectious you have a voice and when you speak people listen to you obviously look at your trajectory of success so you know hopefully yeah. people will listen to this and be like you know what she's right we do need to get our shit together so that we can be better examples yes. to these up-and-coming mm-hmm. leaders whether they are the musicians or their executives like yourself so thank you for being here with us thank and, uh, y'all 
this was fun. Like yes. this was very, I'm used to like doing podcasts or interviews or, you know, just moments where, you know, you have to wear the mask a little. I'm on the panel and it's like you, you can't just be, but this is, you know, for the culture, this is hosted by two amazing women of color and y'all said, come be who you are. Like, yes. That's it. And so that was just so freeing because people don't say that. Like mm -hmm. I have to be the representative of the thing, but this was more so me as, as me. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. This is our, our platform for everybody to see themselves. So yes, come back and listen to us. Uh, we will be updating you guys about when season two is coming out soon. But until then, check up um, on the previous 21 episodes, listen to episode 22, and we will see you for season two. You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening. Adios. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OVI Podcast. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. And thank you for listening to Outside Voice Inside.